When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of Land Grant Holy Land In Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, I am joined by one of the co-hosts of our flagship podcast, Hang Out in the Holy Land, Josh Dooley. Josh, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? Good, good. I'm in a hotel room in New York City for work. So this has been like the craziest week to try to keep up on like real work stuff, doing the things I like to do when I'm in New York City, and also all of the ridiculous things that have been happening around Ohio State football this past week. So I'm glad that we had the opportunity to kind of like take this, the conversations that we normally have on the LGHL Slack channel and bring them to the podcast because it is always fiery in the Slack channel. Um, so hopefully we can bring some of that enthusiasm to the podcast today. On today's episode, we're going to talk specifically about the fact that Ohio State's longtime offensive coordinator, Kevin Wilson, has left to pursue a head coaching opportunity at the University of Tulsa. Of course, he had previously been the offensive coordinator under Bob Stoops at Oklahoma, so he is returning to the old stomping grounds. Um, At the introductory press conference that he had on Tuesday... He did say that he will be continuing to work with Ohio State during the process. He said, quote, I'll be working through an opportunity to hopefully play two more games. I'm standing here because of the success of our team, and it's my obligation to finish up with that team and give that team a chance to win a national title. So he'll be going back and forth doing the stuff that we see from a lot of coaches who do take jobs like this. A lot of coordinators, they go back and forth. They do their recruiting. They do their game planning. They go back and forth. But what that means, Josh, is that even though he will be there, there will be other guys who have to step up and fill in some of the responsibilities that he's not able to do because he is dealing with stuff with uh, the Golden Hurricanes. And that led me to the question here about what we want to see in the new Ohio State Office of Coordinator, maybe in terms of like actual names, but also like what are the traits and the backgrounds and the skills and the resumes uh, that we want to see in the guy that Ryan Day eventually hires? I know I've talked a lot about, I think it needs to be a play caller. Ryan Day needs to give up play calling duties. And I think you agree with me on that. But in general, like big picture stuff, without getting into names and like minutia of like the X's and O's, like what are the traits that you were looking for in someone to take over the Ohio State offense at this point when things are still really good, offense has been great, but they do feel a little stagnant, especially against the better teams on their schedule and in the postseason. Yeah, you know, Matt, it... I'm wondering if it's almost too simple and the main priority uh, in sort of the main qualification here 
is play calling and having it having done that before because you look at this current staff right and Brian Hartline great position coach great recruiter same thing could go for Tony Alford uh, seems like the same thing could go for Justin Fry although he does have previous play calling experience but they are not current play callers right and neither was Kevin Wilson who you know, look, first and foremost, congratulations to him, too, uh, for getting the Tulsa job. And I think people forget that this guy was a really great offensive mind once upon a time at Oklahoma. He actually won a Broyles reward as uh, the nation's top assistant coach. Yeah, so he's great. Um, I, I would guess that his impact probably goes like understated, but that's neither here nor there. Right. I, I think that what it comes down to for Ohio State is they need to look to somebody with experience and more importantly, someone who can coexist with Ryan Day because whether or not he officially gives up play calling duties, I do not believe for a single second that he will not continue to scratch at that itch, continue to want to be involved more so than just sort of your 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 hands off CEO, right? So, I think it's it it kind of comes down to one of two things. I think that there's the possibility that Ohio State looks externally and finds a play caller and brings them in, and hopefully it's a guy who can both coexist with Ryan Day, but the other guys on the staff. Or, and I know that you don't want to hear this. I'm not sure how much I have even talked myself into this. You know, I was pro Ryan day play calling for a long time, less so now, but do I it. do think it's don't do it, Josh, don't do it. Well, no, 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 no. What I, what I'm going to say is I think it's possible that he promotes from within and keeps the so- same sort of hierarchy, whether that's the right move or not. I'm not arguing with you about, but I could see that for yeah. cohesion purposes, because look, Ryan day is a little bit different than some of these other coaches look at the transfer portal. He's already spoken about it. Um, you know, in recently where it's like, you know, Hey, maybe we'll look for the right guys, but we like to maintain culture and maintain structure. And I like that. I really do. And then take big, big swings when you can, he took a big swing with Jim Knowles worked for 11 and a half games. Um, I don't know if he does that with, the offense, unless he believes it is as broken as maybe we think that it is, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, to to me personally, I think it would be a a dereliction of duty. And I said this on the podcast yesterday, if he did not bring in somebody else who has experience as an offensive coordinator, does that mean play calling? I don't know. I don't know that he will. I think promoting from within at this point is a possibility. I think it would be a bad move. So many people have been talking about Brian Hartline. I think that would be not a fireable offense because I'm not saying that that's what we want to go to. But like, I think that is one of the most short-sighted things that you can possibly do in this situation. I think Brian Hartline has been an incredible coach at Ohio State. He's been an incredible recruiter. I, I don't know how much, to be honest with you, like his impact has on like the greater offense as a whole. His position group is great. How much of that is him? How much of that is their sheer talent and his recruiting ability to get them into town? I don't know. But like, 
he's this was his first season as quote unquote the passing game coordinator, which I don't know what that means. Ryan Day's the quarterback coach and he's the play caller. So like that's kind of his gig too. But you have to have somebody in that role who has experience. Like you just cannot have somebody who has only ever been a position coach to take over that job at Ohio State. It, it, there are obviously at some point you have to have your first coordinating job. It's not here. It's not in, in Columbus. It's not with the Buckeyes. I think Ryan Day kind of fell into this head coaching position. Um, if he had not had, if things had not gone the way they did at the end of urban Myers tenure, I would probably not have been in favor of him getting that job because it was his first head coaching job. Like, I don't think this is a place where you learn on the fly and I would like to keep Brian Hartline on staff. So if that means making well, and him- that's what Ryan day is going to have to do, right? Learn yeah. on the fly when it comes to building a staff. Yeah. And he <clears throat> did it on the defensive side. And I think despite the fact that like, it wasn't perfect this year. It was a heck of a lot better. And you can't expect a one-year turnaround, of course. But like, if you want to make Brian Hartline the co-offensive coordinator and bring in a guy with experience to kind of give him the opportunity to learn on the job with a little bit more responsibility, I'm totally good with that. I have zero problems with that. Um, but it can't just be like, hey, Brian Hartline, we know people want you other places. Here's the keys to the kingdom. You're the offensive coordinator. Go run with it and learn. Like That's just a bad idea like I just think it it would be setting the offense back even if you think that Ryan Day is still going to be the offensive coordinator if not with the actual title and and I completely agree with that you know I think of Kevin Wilson's role as sort of a a strategist right we don't know how how many play call plays he ever called in his time you know at Columbus probably very few but He was experienced enough, respected enough, and had done the job long enough, the offensive coordinator job, to at least have probably carte blanche when it came to, hey, Coach Day, uh, you know, let's maybe dial up something different, or I'm not so sure about that. Like, he would have had the freedom, I assume, to not necessarily, you know, go back at Ryan day, although maybe they had some contentious conversations, but he could step in and say, Hey, coach day, trust me on this. Here's what I'm seeing. Maybe you're seeing it differently. I'm up in the box, yada, yada, yada. So I think that he had that respect and that freedom because he had done the job. So I think you're right. Even if Ryan day remains as the primary play caller, you have to have somebody else in the room involved who can lean on their own experience when things aren't going well, or maybe they spot something that coach day does not see. And so, and it's not even, it's not even the game. It's not even in the game stuff though. It's like, we know Ryan day cannot be in every offensive meeting. So like you have to have somebody who's capable of doing the scheming midweek and the game planning when Ryan day is doing the things that head coaches have to do. And yeah. And you think about Brian Hartline, right. Um, And comparing him to Kevin Wilson, Kevin Wilson probably had a lot of freedom because let's face it, Ohio State's tight ends don't do a whole hell of a lot. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like that's not, that's not a knock per se on Kevin Wilson, but it's like, okay, you know, maybe we're going to get two of you guys out on the field. We're rarely going to throw to one of you. Whereas like if Brian Hartline's guys are not fully prepared, fully coached up, then this Ohio State offense probably looks much, much different. So, um, you know, with Heartline, I think that there is probably a way to massage that 
situation and maybe get him some exposure to play calling without handing over the keys. Like you said, that's pretty much exactly what you alluded to, right? Is maybe pair him up with a guy. And so I I could see that. And maybe Justin Fry is that guy, you know, he was the offensive coordinator for three seasons at UCLA Mm -hmm. worked with Chip Kelly, who is an innovative football coach, similar to Ryan day. That's a, a a protege. Yeah. Exactly. A lot of familiarity there. So if Ryan Day is willing to trust his guy to call air quotes his offense and also bring along a peer, which is a lot of trust, um, I do think that's possible because, look, Justin Fry was not some guy, right? Like UCLA, successful power five program, ran the heck out of the ball, coaches a good offensive line. Um, and three years is nothing to shake a stick at. So it wouldn't be like, oh, hey, I, I'm promoting a buddy of mine. He has real experience. And then he already has a relationship with Brian Hartline to where maybe it could become this group thing. So I do think that there is a group scenario that is possible, but it just you know, all of those guys were in the same room this year and we had our our gripes, right? We had our mm-hmm. our frustrations with this offense. So I don't know if that's good enough, but every time I say that and every time that I am fully, you know, over the line of, Hey, Ryan day needs to give it up. I do think he needs to at least, you know, ask for help at the very, very least. But then I'm always like, you know what? It's good enough to get them into a college football playoff. And that's, they're good enough because they have talent and they have the quarterback and and all those other things, but it, it could be worse. Right. But I think we would all love if it were marginally better, especially yeah. during certain certain times. Yeah. At the end of the season, it, you bring up the Justin Fry thing, which is interesting and not necessarily in Justin Fry as an individual, because like you said, you ran through his CV like we that is who he is. But I do wonder if there is a chance that Ryan Day kind of decides to evolve the offense a little bit and rather than looking for a guy who has a ton of passing background which is where obviously Ryan Day's specialty lies if he does decide we need to have a more whether it's a power running game or at least a more consistent running game if he goes out and finds a guy who has a background more in scheming for offenses that run the ball uh I don't think that would be a bad idea I'm not necessarily for promoting somebody from within just because I think there needs to be some sort of turnover. There needs to be new blood injected into staffs at a fairly regular basis. But if he does, like, do you think there's a possibility that he goes against, you know, his MO and, and brings in somebody who has a little bit more of a running background to kind of complement what the offense already does? I guess I would answer your question with a question. Um, would he, go against sort of, you know, his forte, his preference and find somebody who is not Justin Fry that I do not know, because if he does want more of a balance, more of a power run guy run game, I believe that, or I think that he believes he has a guy already on his staff. So if he's like, Hey, we need somebody who is more in tune with the run game has done this before, then I don't know how he could, you know, look his his buddy, his peer, a guy he who he has coached with, and be like, "Hey, I know this is also sort of your expertise, but I want somebody else." I don't know. Hmm, that's a good point. 
I don't know if he would do it. I don't know if it's the right move, the wrong move, or, or something in between. Um, but yeah, like I keep almost talking myself into Justin Fry being the answer. But again, I go back to new blood, like you said. Um, is his voice or is Justin Fry potentially having more of a fingerprint on this offense what it needs? Or is that that infusion of fresh blood what's going to put them over the top? And it's just, it is very difficult to answer that question um, without knowing some candidates and, and things like that and whether or not Ryan Day wants to pass the sticks. Yeah, and I also think it's interesting if we're talking about promoting a guy from within who has a running focus on their coaching resume, like why are we passing up Tony Alford instead of Justin Fry? And I know the reasons because you've outlined he's been an offensive coordinator and all that stuff before, but like Tony Alford's done a pretty dang good job with the running backs over the years. And he's been a candidate for for head coaching jobs in the past, uh, despite never having been an offensive coordinator at Ohio State. So, I mean, if if he's looking to promote from within, I don't know that he would pass over his like legitimate assistant coach because that is his title. I think he's the assistant head coach um, or associate head coach. I, him and Larry Johnson have those titles, assistant and associate. I can't remember which is which, but like, I, I do wonder if Tony's the guy who he would promote instead of, of Justin, but who knows? Well, Matt, I think in that instance, I think that he would have to be as smart as you are. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is <laughs> I could not agree with you more in the fact that, Ohio State should not be somebody's first experience as a primary primary play caller. I don't care mm-hmm. how good of a position coach you are. I don't care how experienced you are. I love Tony Alford. I would give that guy a lifetime contract, even though some people have kind of, you know, banged on him a little bit for running back recruiting. I say, look at the stars. Look at the fact that if anybody was healthy, uh, it would have been a lot different this year. So I, I would defend Tony Alford to the edge of the earth, but he just does not have the play calling experience. And I would be fearful of that. I would be very fearful of that. Maybe even maybe even more so than if he just said, hey, Brian Hartline, here you go. And that is because Tony Alford is, I, I, I'd say a little more further removed from the game. It's not like he's an, he's an old man or anything like that, but I just, I think between the two, right. Brian Hartline would probably be a little bit more, I guess, in tune with what offenses, successful offenses are yeah, doing. That's these a big days. deal. That's a big deal. But, uh, but I don't know. Heck if Tony Alfred takes the Michigan approach, and they run it down your throats, then, you know, maybe that is the right one. But ultimately, I just come back to what you said in that this is not the opportunity for a first-time guy or gal. You know, get crazy. Go and find uh, an accomplished female coach. Let's do it. Find somebody who can just do the job. And could Tony Alford take it and, uh, no pun intended, run with it eventually? Maybe. But Ohio State is not in a position, I don't think they want to put themselves in the position of waiting two to three years to see if he gets the hang of it. It's like, hey, we're going to turn it over to a young guy who might be our next head coach down the road, or we're going to bring somebody in who has done it before. I'm just at the point where I don't think promoting from within is is a good thing. Like, Unless you have somebody who is obviously perfect for a position, 
I don't think you you stretch that. I don't think you go and say we're going to give this guy a shot. I think you need the fresh blood. I need you have to have people who have experience. But more importantly, I think I think Ryan Day needs somebody to counter him. And when you have the guys that are if you're promoting somebody who's already on the staff, I would imagine that they're coming in with at least a similar viewpoint on how the offense should be run because they should have been speaking up throughout the entire process. Now, obviously if they get a promotion, they have a little bit more leeway with that, but like, I want somebody who comes in with a different perspective. I want somebody who comes in who is not necessarily from the same chip Kelly coaching tree. I want somebody who has completely different thoughts about it. I want somebody who has, you know, experience in, in whether it's a power running game or a zone, you know, whatever, that kind of balance what Ryan Day does, or if it's somebody who does have more of a passing background, which I think is probably more likely, somebody who has a different approach, a different philosophy, a run and a run and shoot, or or something that has a little bit more short and intermediate passing, because Ryan Day's really kind of made his career between the, the quarterbacks that he's coached at Ohio State, whether that was uh, Dwayne Haskins or Justin Fields, uh, and now C.J. Stroud, and I know he was here for. JT Barrett for a year, but that doesn't count. Um, <laughs> do you just go and like get, cause he's gone deep with those guys. So you have somebody who maybe is a little bit more experienced with calling plays over the middle mesh uh, crosses, all of those things, just not bubble screens. So I just think you need to have somebody out there uh, from out there who brings a completely different perspective on this. And, and I hope that Ryan day is smart enough to do it. He was smart enough to do it on the defensive side of the ball. He cleared house on the de- defensive coaching staff other than Larry Johnson and I hope he he has. I don't think he needs to clear house on offense, obviously, but I I do think he needs to make the right choice here. The other thing that'll be interesting is we've seen a number of offensive assistants, not the big name guys, but like quality control guys and, and lower level non big name assistants leave already this year. A lot of them going to coach with Trent Dilfer of all people, which is kind of interesting. Does Kevin Wilson take anybody from this staff, and how does that impact who you? bring in or promote and and all of that stuff does Corey Dennis go to be the offensive coordinator at Tulsa um something like that like I think that you know some of those things still need to play out and and it'll be interesting especially when it comes to recruiting because at Ohio State when you're an offensive coach things are usually pretty good on offense so the only time people leave is when they take other jobs they're not getting fired very often although they did fire coach stud last year so it's like you're kind of hemmed in to your position and you don't really have opportunities for advancement all that much at Ohio State because as an offensive coach, people don't leave. Tony Offord's been here a lot longer than I thought he would because I thought he would have been a head coach by now, but he's turned down most of those opportunities because they weren't perfect. So I, I think there's a lot to shake out, but I, I want him to go out and find somebody from outside the program and bring him in. Go out and get the biggest fish that makes sense. You did that with Jim Knowles. It's worked really well, not perfectly, but it's worked really well so far. I think it needs to happen on that side of the ball as well. Are there any names? And I know I don't think you have anybody off the top of your head that's like the perfect candidate, which I think everybody kind of wanted Knowles from the from the from the jump last year. But is there anybody that you would be interested in um, around college football that you think might be willing to come to Columbus as the new offensive coordinator? Well, I mean, I, everyone says Garrett Riley, right? Brother of Lincoln Riley, TCU offensive coordinator. You and I spoke a little bit before the podcast. Is that realistic? Maybe more so than you and I bantered about, only because, like, I get it. TCU made the playoff this year, but Ohio State makes the playoff just about every year. So it would be, uh, you know, raising the profile and taking, I would say, a better job, although he could be happy there. TCU's still a heck of a program, so on and so forth. So, 
you know, that's a possibility. And I was kind of looking at a list of, and this was like a preseason list of offensive coordinators who, you know, have done some good things, but a lot of these guys sort of run a Ryan day sort of offense. Um, whereas where it's not necessarily power running game, I think about like Jeff Levy at Oklahoma, they had a really crappy year, right? He was at UCF when they were putting up a ton of points. I did not watch Oklahoma a ton this year, um, but I know they were still finding a way to put up points, even despite some quarterback injuries and things like that. So that's a name I think I had seen somebody else mention. I think he worked at Ole Miss as well. Uh, there's a guy in North Carolina, Phil Longo, who he's pretty new. Uh, I think he got the his first offensive coordinator job. Uh, sorry, that may have been somebody else, but Phil Longo at North Carolina, he took the offensive coordinator job in 2019 there. Um, and you see what they've done with not only Drake May, but Sam Howell. And yeah. what's, the, what's the biggest knock against C.J. Stroud, right? Doesn't run the ball a whole lot. And Drake May, Sam Howell, guys like that, look, they're not, uh, you know, Michael Vick, back there, but they run enough and they're asked to do so. So other than that, you can find some similarities in the offense. So those were just a couple of names that, again, I had looked through. This was somebody's list. If I had it in front of me right now, I would, you know, give them all the credit in the world. And maybe you think about some other high scoring offenses. Um, North Carolina came to mind. And so for some reason I went Wake Forest. I don't know the name of their offensive coordinator, but I know Wake Forest, their goal is 100 points a game, it seems like. I think if they're going to get anybody, it would be somebody from a maybe like a mid-tier program or a lesser yeah. Power 5 program that they just think can elevate this thing. Because I do not think for a second that Ryan Day would bring in the hot shot first year guy from give me a school SMU, you know, yeah. like I just, there's no way that that is in his DNA. It's going to be somebody who's done it proven successful elsewhere and wants to make that jump to a bigger school. But gosh, I got to admit, Matt, you kind of, you put me in a foul mood because <laughs> I had written all these things about all these Ohio state coaches. And I'm like, well, Keegan Bailey can take over at tight end coach and Don't, maybe, no. No, don't do it. Well, no, I was like, well, maybe Brian Hartline gets a bump to like associate head coach. I don't know how many you can have. But what I did not account for is Kevin Wilson potentially taking somebody. I don't know. Mm. It would have to be a bump, though, like you said, and I just didn't account for it. But, yeah, a guy like Corey Dennis, who is highly, highly respected, of, uh, respected and spoken of, you know, is he the reason Ohio State – gets and maintains these fantastic quarterbacks no but have they all you know had glowing reviews heck yeah they have so something like that could be a big loss and so that's why I think the dichotomy of it is so unique if I'm trying to put a bow on it because yes we and maybe Ryan Day they want to go out we all want to go out and get the new blood, the fresh blood that is going to take this offense from a 9.5 to a 10. And maybe we're forced to do so by other exits. But then at the same time, it's like, gosh, we're a 9.5. And I would love to 
keep this group together. So while I think changes need to be made somehow, I would I don't think I would want to be the person making the changes because it's it's so difficult, especially in today's college football, to maintain a coaching staff. And if you look at this one, you piss and moan all you want about losing a big game here and there and this, that, and the other. But as a program, they've got a lot of guys that you like, right? You, you highly respected coaches, coaches who could go elsewhere if they wanted to, but they choose to stay here in Columbus and chase a national title each and every year. So it's very tough to try and sort this whole thing out, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would want to be the guy making the decision there at my current salary, but for Ryan days, roughly $9 million a year, I would be willing to make those decisions. So if Gene Smith wants to call me and pay me $9 million, I will happily make all of those decisions and then never be on social media or listen to stupid bloggers at SB nation blogs telling me I suck at my job. Um, because (laughs) I would have $9 million to do with as I please, but, uh, it'll be interesting. I, I do wonder if, um, or when this announcement will be made as to new the, who the new offensive coordinator will be. Last year, we saw that Jim Knowles was named before the Rose Bowl, but that was a, a, a New Year's Six Bowl game. That was not a, a college football playoff game. So I don't know what Ryan Day, how much is he going to have the opportunity to dedicate to interviewing and researching and doing all of that stuff. I'm sure there are other people kind of doing a lot of the legwork, but like how much time does he want to commit to talking with people and all of that stuff beforehand? I have, I have no idea. We might know tomorrow who, who the new offensive coordinator is, but I do think that's something that could put them behind the eight ball in terms of getting a guy. Um, Although I feel like, do you think, do you think he's had feelers out? You know, Kevin Wilson, 60, 61 years old, I think has expressed interest before in getting back to head coaching and more power to him. So do you think that was a conversation that the day and Wilson had where Kevin Wilson was like, Hey, just so you know, like if something comes along, I'm probably going to jump here. And do you think that caused Ryan day to maybe put out some feelers or no? If not feelers, just because I don't know what the, what the professional courtesy is on that. He is obviously very concerned with that. Like he's talked about how much he doesn't want to be a jerk when it comes to running up the score. I'm sure he has lists. I'm sure like he had Mark Pantone, like do some scouting on coaches or something and put together a list or, you know, talk to agents or or stuff like that. So I'm sure there's, this is not like a complete surprise. I'm sure he's done some homework, but obviously throughout the course of a season, things ebb and flow in and people's status at certain schools and programs changes. So, uh, and obviously a lot of that can change in the postseason. So I'm sure that there are guys that he has in mind. I just hope that it's somebody who can add something new to the program, not just maintain what's already there. What's already there is great, but I think we all understand there needs to be some progression. It needs to be some evolution. It needs to be some growth. And hopefully they, they find somebody who can do that. It's a tough ask to potentially do this with the giant gorilla on your back, right? Um, wanting to not only win a national title, but prove that you belong back in the CFP after getting your doors blown off by your rival. Like that's another reason where I I wouldn't want to be Ryan day, but again, at my current salary, I'm with you. You give me $9 million, um, you know, a couple antacids, I'm fine. I'll get over it. But uh, that's, that's another interesting question, right? Does he go in for the quick kill and potentially even a guy who can come in and I, I, they're probably not, I assume, not able to add to the staff, but, you know, a guy who can then start immediately exchanging emails and texts like, hey, you know, here are my thoughts. Or does he push this thing off completely 
to laser focus on this college football playoff and take his chances. You know, I don't think a, a good showing, a win in the national title, you know, in the CFP or even hell, even a loss, you're in the CFP. It, it is what it is. I don't think being there makes you less attractive January yeah. 10th or, you know, whenever it's over. So I don't think that he has to go in for the the quick kill here, but it may be beneficial to either beat another school to a candidate that you've had in mind to. Yeah. You can take another job. Like you just don't, you don't want to wait because they might and, get and antsy. Yeah. That too. Yeah. And, and recruits too. Maybe your recruits want to know, maybe they want to know if Brian Hartline's still going to be there in an elevated capacity. Again, play calling or not TBD, but um, it, it's about a, a month, what month and a half from early signing day. So there are so many sort of things, factors, uh, about to intersect with each other that it just adds to, you know, the importance of this. And, oh, by the way, you're trying to go and, and beat an absolute hammer of a football team in Georgia. Yeah, actually, early signing period is is like the week before Christmas. So it's actually oh, three wow. weeks before right. early signing period, two months before the actual signing period, the first week of February. So I think a lot of those guys, especially guys like, Brandon Ennis, who apparently Deion Sanders really wants to flip, um, probably would want to know those things sooner rather than later. And I, again, I don't think that Ryan Day has to be the guy leading those things. I think um, Gene Smith and whatever other staff members can kind of handle a lot of the legwork. But Ryan Day has to be involved with that because he's the one probably going to be the one signing off on who is the next offensive coordinator. So I, I hope that they do come up with something in the next couple of weeks. I don't think they'll rush into it like it'll happen tomorrow, although who knows. But I would not be surprised if we know who the new offensive coordinator at Ohio State will be by by Christmas, by early signing period. Like I think that would behoove them in a lot of ways to get that information out into the world sooner rather than later. Because it's a huge position, right? It, it's not finding, it's not naming another special teams coach. And I, right. I didn't even think... I, I thought it was later for whatever reason. I guess I'm a a, a bad sports air quotes journalist, but <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's it is a premier position that could sway certain people. You know, fortunately, I think with Ohio State and their offensive recruiting this year, like your wide receivers are coming here because of Brian Hartline. Your quarterback if they're able to get one is likely become coming because of Ryan Day and Corey Dennis your running backs because of Tony Alford this that and the other so um maybe not so much of an impact in fair losing guys if if certain coaches stay in the fold but if they again like if they go out and they get Garrett Riley who is likely yeah. or may win a, a Broyles award maybe that sways a guy to be like hey Man, my name's Ruben Owens, and I, I was looking to go to Louisville. They just lost their head coach. Ohio State just got you know one of the best OCs you know on the market. Maybe I'm going to consider them a little bit more. I, I I don't know. 
All right, that's all that we have for this episode of Land Grant Holy Land in conversation. If you are finding us on the website, landgrantholyland.com, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are in college football playoff season, so we are cranking out episodes every single day and in often cases, multiple episodes every single day, especially with men's and women's basketball already tipping off. All of our basketball writers and podcasters are bringing you even more content that you cannot find anywhere else in the Buckeye podcasting universe. I will mention the Ohio State women's basketball team is number three in the country, and I don't think that there's anybody covering Ohio State women's basketball better than our own Thomas Costello. Uh, if you are a fan of the women's basketball team, you need to be following his stuff. He has press conference audio, interviews here, and tons of content on the site, so make sure you check it out. Don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me at Matt. Josh, where can people find you? Although you don't do a lot of tweeting. Uh, I'll jump in on the Hangout in the Holy Land uh, account sometimes. I probably need to be more active, so look for me there. I promise to be better. Uh, but yeah, J. Dooley Buckeye on my personal Twitter. I get people responding to articles and things like that, but uh, I'm not hard to find. You just got to look hard enough. All right. Sounds good. All right, everybody. That's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.